Welcome to the Recruitment Roundup with Toby and Nadia of Harrington Star. This is our one podcast a week where we talk about us and our passion for great recruitment. Five days a week we shine a light on the individuals making waves in the world of fintech and on a Sunday we bring you the Recruitment Roundup. Now the theme of this week is inflation and I'm sure you've all heard lots about that on the news this week. I was talking to James Platt yesterday, we were talking about the news and it made me decide on today's theme. So in the news there's been a release from the Office of National Statistics reporting the sharpest increase ever seen in the history of recording inflation as it's risen to 3.2%. So this got me thinking about inflation in general and more specifically where we are starting to see inflated salaries in the battle to attract top talent. It seems a simple tactic, but actually it's a far more complex issue. And what I wanted to do was to share the ins and outs in this podcast. Throughout this, we're going to raise some of the key points from our salary survey, which actually contradicts inflating salaries. But there's going to be loads that we can discuss. So, Toby, inflation, you are my favourite Times reader. Tell us your thoughts. I may well be that, but I'm certainly no economist. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, look, it's, it's a very interesting thing, isn't it, inflation? And, and, and what we've seen over the course of the last 18 months and two years is a whole set of economic data that has, has major, major nuance to it. Every headline that's, uh, that comes out has a political lean to it in some way, shape or form, good news or bad news. Uh, one party or other are going to sort of jump onto it and, and create the narrative around it. So whilst uh, I think you see the you know, highest inflation of all time, and the same week, you're also seeing highest level of job opportunities of, of, of all time and various other things that are purely driven by a major economic and seismic action and the resulting issues around supply and demand and supply chains, more supply chains and supply and demand, should I say. So when you're talking about uh, food production and supermarkets uh, you know, struggling to get hold of produce and restaurants having been closed and now opening and needing to claw back money etc etc I think you're seeing an unnatural rise in numbers. Boris Johnson has said that you know, counterbalance the rise in inflation by the rise in, in salary levels etc etc and levels of earnings again statistics which can be massaged to suit whichever sort of narrative that you want to you look at it. It's a very, very interesting scenario. So, take, so taking all of that macroeconomic and political aspects of it to one side and saying, right, what's it actually look like on the real day-to-day front line of what's, what's happening to salaries in the, in the markets that we serve, the financial technology market? So in the last Financial Technology magazine, we released you know, the annual salary survey that we do. And quite surprisingly for me, with the narrative of what we were looking at, the salaries weren't seismically different from what we'd seen before. By and large, the level of, of most salaries that we looked at hadn't leapt by significant percentages. There's probably a, a natural curve upwards, but it isn't a, a seismic leap in, in activity and, and salary levels. So going back to that piece about nuance and going back to the narrative, the story behind the statistics, what we have seen, and, and, and I know you'll agree with this, is there is a, a clamour for talent. I've said this almost every week that I've never seen in 21 years a similar sort of level of job appetite for, for companies to hire. My view is, is that this will be a curve that will see a, a, a real demand that continues for between five and seven years across the industry. So I think there is going to be a number of people who've been on pause for 18 months who are seeing opportunity where we're seeing a rapid digitalization of the financial services industry, where we're seeing people catching up with where they want to go, where we're seeing significant institutional money that has been invested into businesses. And I think that creates this perfect storm where we'll see a high, high demand 
for talent within the industry. When that demand for talent is in the industry is there, you have a choice about how to attract that talent. Now there are companies there who are thinking about that and they're saying, right, okay, this is our proposition. We won't be held to ransom for the talent, but we'll make it really attractive to, to hire and engage the best people. And that's why I'm very excited about the next financial technologies, which really celebrates the, uh, the best in the industry at creating great working environments. Or you see people are saying, right, we're behind the curve here. We're desperate. Let's throw some money at it. So what you have is this outlying set at the moment who are sitting there saying, right, the solution to my talent problem is to take a £60,000 salary and make it a £70,000 salary or an £80,000 salary or throw money at the, at the issue. We'll put in a, a commission programme for salespeople. It effectively becomes unsustainable at, a state, at some sort of stage. So what you'll have is another 18 months of play where everything's hunky-dory and everyone's excited and people are doing that. And then there'll be a correction to the commission structure. And then you'll see another exodus of that talent going out with it and everyone feeling disgruntled about you know, how they've been turned over by their employer for where it is because it's unsustainable. And so what I think is important is that, you know, the people who are sat there sending emails into people's inboxes saying that this is why you should come to us and this is the money you could earn for, you know, for, from, from this or from that, or this is what we're we'll paying you, is look behind that and say, why is that, you know, why is that happening? Uh, is that the right way of doing that? Is that masking? Is that basically a Band-Aid over a wound that is only going to get infected and, and create a real problem for you and your career and your, life, your, your livelihood moving further forward? And so I think there, there are, there's missionaries and mercenaries, right, in any, any walk of life. And I think what you're seeing is an awful lot of mercenaries at the moment who will take advantage of the situation and play hardball and maybe you know, be prepared to walk away from an opportunity or be prone to a counter-offer or whatever it may be that keeps them in that, that sort of opportunities. But I think that, that companies who are looking for missionaries, people who are looking there to, to be attracted by their purpose, to do great things with their team, to be looking around at the people they're working with, to be looking at the, uh, you know, the, the, the nature of the work and the complexity of the work, that's where you're going to be able to see people who are doing sustainable long-term careers and doing the best thing for their CVs. So what, what there is, is a noticeable swell in terms of salary activity and what people are looking to do in certain companies. But as, uh, across the mean, across the large, I think you're seeing a semi-rise, but a, you know, only a slight one in terms of what's fair. Because I think actually across the industry, most people are paid fairly and there's very few examples of companies who are saying, right, let's get away with this and, and uh, see what we can do to pay as little as possible because they recognise that um, is, is so important to the financial technology industry. So it isn't an underserved, underpaid industry. It isn't an industry where people are saying, right, we've got away with it for ages and we're paying people less than we should. It is an industry generally where people have been paid fairly for it. And what people are looking for is those extra things in terms of flexibility, in terms of training and development in terms of the peers they work with, in terms of the mission of the, of the business they're, work, they're working for, in terms of the complexity of challenges and the purpose and the drive of what they're trying to do and how they're trying to make differences to the world. All of those, I think, become incredibly important in terms of where it goes. So I think you know, we will continue to see outliers and I think we'll continue to see businesses who are artificially inflating potentially the average uh, salary across the industry. But I think if you've got it right and you're paying fair in the first instance, don't be swayed by that and maintain your view that paying fairly is right to inflate prices to try and mask your home truths. As I much prefer businesses working on their home truths rather than uh, throwing money at the problem because I don't think that's sustainable. What's your thoughts on it? 
I'm really pleased you brought up this issue of sustainability and just the longevity of a person's career with a company, uh, because I think think that's often forgotten the person within that process. And it, it, it's really easy for a company to think, you know, this is right now there is a clamour for talent. What can we do to make sure that we are seen with, within the race for talent? And uh, it's very easy for someone to throw, as you say, an extra 10, an extra 15, 15 grand or send around emails talking about heightened commission plans. But really, the reality isn't just that candidate attraction. It isn't just about when a person is an applicant. It's when a person is someone to be invested in within a company. It's when that person becomes a question around how are they going to be retained? What do they want to be retained by? What will drive them to stay within a company? And that to me is very much the, you know, the three pronged focus of its attraction, investment, retention you know and that investment middle piece is just so important because people want different things and this is exactly why i wanted to talk about this today because it is interesting what the results of our salary survey because our, our salary survey surveyed thousands of companies that we are that we are in touch with and that we work with um, it's a really really good radar of the whole industry and you know looking at the results of that it hasn't jumped up there are certain businesses that are falling back on on this as a sort of last card to play or oh, we'll, we'll put the salary up rather than thinking how do we retain somebody how do we invest into them long term and this to me is really the key of everything that we should be talking about something interesting was told to me last night so ian bailey told me last night that he has seen this week a couple of examples of applicants trying to leave banks and their developers in banks asking about salaries outside of banks now the applicants that he spoke about were graduates with one maybe two years worth experience in development and the three that he spoke to were in excess of £65,000 which is way above the average and what he he kind of coined this phrase of oh you know these candidates have been locked in you know how can they leave because the banks have decided that's that's a talent there not even something where, where you say they've perhaps studied nanophysics at PhD. I mean, if, if that is the, the huge uh, draw. But interestingly, you know, he called it a lock-in scenario because how can somebody leave if they are one year experience in development and the average of that or the average pay of that would be 30 to 40 and they're on 65? You know, yeah. they, they can't leave. They're locked in. And actually, what does that do to them and their career choices and their progression? And this is really, for me, the crux of it, because we forget the person involved in the process. And you all know me who listen to this. I'm absolutely obsessed with, you know, tailoring things to the individual. And I'm so excited about our magazine coming up because that's exactly what it's about. Us going out, interviewing so many different people, sharing the evidence, sharing all our research so that the whole industry can get better and that we don't fall down the rabbit hole of let's just chuck money without backing it up with a really good environment. So, you know, this week, I, it's been really poignant for me because I had two fantastic pods that I wanted to share. One was with Kat Cloud, the UK policy lead at Plaid. Um, she joined me on the Women of Fintech podcast series. Now, Plaid look after individuals to get the most out of their financial apps and products, making data really easy to access. So she's constantly talking about improving the consumer experience. And with that, she's talking about improving the peer-to-peer 
uh, within the company experience, improving the staff experience, improving the culture experience, the, the environment. And she talks about everyone being included, everyone being given a chance to speak when they are ready to, which I thought was quite a nice little nuance there. It's not just about saying, come on, everyone speak, but when you are ready to, when you have had your time to process, everyone is seen as a fresh pair of eyes. Everyone can be challenged to get better. And I love all that because, do you know what? We didn't talk about Plaid and whether they are one of the people that are, are doing the throwing extra money at, um, at people within the, within the industry. But we did talk about what they're doing to ensure that when people are there, they're happy, they're engaged, they're being encouraged to get better every single day. You know, I, I fall in love with all of that sort of stuff. And then uh, Yasmin Johal was another one I spoke to. She's slightly different. She actually works for a law firm, but she focuses purely on fintech. And she does loads, which I just have to share, like loads to really improve the perception of the financial services technology industry and fintech to those outside of it. And I think this is something to bring into this conversation as well, because as we're talking about inflation, you know, you joked earlier saying, you know, you're not, you're not the economist um, to, to talk about this, but, you know, we do see a lot around uh, what will affect the wider economy within, within our industry and within our personal industry of recruitment as well. And I think that, you know, what Yasmin does is very much in line with what we're trying to do with the fintech focused podcasts and TV series, my DE&I discussions. It's about raising the awareness of what fintech actually is day in, day out, and changing the perceptions of what people outside of the industry think of it so that we can attract these people to the industry. So that when people are talking about the war on talent, it's actually not a war on talent. It's about encouraging potential and creating talents. And Yasmin, she's actually one of the standout 35 women in the fintech innovate finance power list. So she's won one of those huge accolades and it's no wonder because she's a podcast host. She does so much collaboration with industry bodies to raise awareness. She does a number of free programs which, which are tailored to startups to allow them to understand their regulatory needs. She supports women in fintech through pitching diversity questions and training people how to pitch properly when they when they're going into their funding rounds she gives funding advice she runs a program called lead hers and equip which again is around giving people from backgrounds other than the traditional advice on how they can get get into the industry she also uses her spot as school governor to affect a new generation i could go on and on on what she does but it really got me thinking because Yes, when you're sitting there and you're thinking, I want to attract the best talent, you could decide I'm going to chuck an extra 15K. That actually doesn't solve the one problem you have in front of you, even though it may make you feel like it's solving that one problem. And actually, our responsibility is to solve the much bigger problem, which is how do we attract people to our industry for the long run? And we invest in them. And how do we retain them? Yeah, it's, in, it, I mean, it's interesting that you talk about the work that she's doing there to promote the industry and such like. I, I listened to a, uh, a podcast this week of you doing the same in ours, where you were interviewed by James Osborne on the TRM podcast and uh, talked about that and uh, were on, on the series as the Inspirational Women in Recruitment series. And I love loved seeing that and I love seeing the recognition you're getting in that, 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 those sort of circles as well. Tell us a little bit about your takeaways from that because I know you came away and there were things that, as, as always, when you've had a good 
conversation or a good argument, certainly on my side, a good argument where you can come away and think, I wish I'd said X, Y, and Z. It, I, th- I thought it was a really good listen. I know you're, you're your own harshest critic at various different stages. Give us an overview of what you were talking about and what you, uh, what you left on the table and wish you'd said again, this is your opportunity to... Yeah, absolutely. So it's a really interesting conversation because um, whenever I talk about women in business, I'm usually talking to a woman, actually, which is quite interesting. But I hadn't really thought about that before recording the TRN podcast with James Osborne. And also, when I'm talking about it, I'm probably usually talking to an audience who are already engaged in the uh, women in business conversation, addressing the gender imbalance. So there is as a starting point, you kind of know who you're talking to. I think when I was talking with James Osborne, I went in there with my women in business hat on. Halfway through, I realized, well, actually, I'm, I'm talking to James Osborne's audience, which is the TRN podcast, so the Recruitment Network podcast, which is heavily dominated by men. And what I felt that I hadn't done is I was talking about what I do. I was talking about all the things I do to raise awareness, to affect real change with regards to the gender balance within fintech. But what I didn't necessarily feel that I did was take people on a journey on why that's important and what are the, the, the wonderful repercussions of doing it well. You know, I don't, I don't feel that um, I spoke enough about what diversity does for revenue generation, for example, because of diversity of thought, because of being able to have positive debates within a board meeting, to have those different points of view, to question the norm, to question the status quo. I never covered any of those things. And so, I, you know, that zoomed down, I thought, oh, I wish I'd covered that. I wish I'd spoken more about how I've learnt and honed in my craft of recruitment, which has enabled me to get to the point where I now reach out to so many different people within the fintech space to understand their journeys. But the way I reach out to them, the way that I, I ignite a conversation, that is the result of 17 years worth of recruitment, which has involved cold calling, um, debate, influence, persuasion, and really, really listening to people and learning the art of listening, which not many people really can get right. Listening is a funny one because it's so simple, but it's actually really complex to get right because most of the time when you're talking to someone, you're thinking about what you're going to say because you want to say something rather than actually listening to them and responding to what they've said. And I think what a wonderful thing about our industry of recruitment is you have to learn to do that or you just won't make it. Things like that, I wish I'd said in there. But as you say, I am my harshest critic. And I, think, I thought it was great. Oh, thank you. I really appreciate you saying that. And anybody who, who listens to it, I would, I would love to hear your thoughts. But I think for me, it's always about getting better every day. And that's a really good example of, you know, when I, I talk on these pods and say, oh, I always say hashtag get better every day. This is the reality of getting better every day. I am my harshest critic. I go back and listen to things. I think, oh, I wish I'd said this, I wish I'd said that which means that when I do my next one, it is going to be better. So I think that's an important thing to say as well. Yeah. Well, listen, good, good work. And uh, living your purpose is never a bad thing to do as well. Yeah. I'd really get, there's a couple of good conversations uh, coming your way on FinTech Focus TV as well. Um, after a short hiatus that we've had on the show. And we've got plenty more coming down the pipe very soon as well. But I spoke to Peter Best, who's the CEO of ChinaFig who I thought was a, you know, a genuinely fascinating conversation. He's got a stellar track record 
in the industry and capital markets. And he's talking about the internationalization of the Chinese markets in uh, the pre-post execution solutions uh, uh, world, etc. So he looks at you know, the, the opportunities in the world's second largest economy, which still feels like an emerging market in China, and the issues around liquidity and, and tech considerations around uh, trading and settling and the dynamic regulatory rule book that's out, out there in China and managing that regulatory change. And what Peter's doing and, and shortly to be bringing to market over the next uh, six months is you know, really launched the platform in earnest after three years of, uh, of building it together is you know, bridge those challenges of, of Western financial markets accessing China and the scale of opportunity within it with you know, the dealer to buy side space in particular being, being the area to, to talk through. So for me, that was one of the, you know, I've often looked at the scale of China and thought about the opportunities that are there and how close the book it's been. And for Peter to be talking about that and, and just uh, showing the expertise that he's got in that space is, was, uh, was phenomenal to talk about. Coming soon as well, you shall be hearing from uh, Helen Bevis over at uh, Speaker Bus. Uh, Chief Revenue Officer over there. She's been in New Role very recently. She's been with the company for about nine, ten months or so now. I had a great chat with her about the sort of growth of, of the, the team out there in, in both New York and in London, looking at the compliance cloud and, and uh, the sort of whole world of uh, trader voice and uh, turrets, et cetera, et cetera. And, and I think there's going to be some really interesting conversation there about a 35-year-old company moving from an innovative sort of startup background of where she's been before into an established company wanting to initiate change and seeing the next transformation of a legacy company in a business that seems to get an awful lot right. So really looking forward to exploring that uh, with her a little bit. And I think that'd be a good one to, uh, you know, to take out there as well. Uh, and great to see Helen you know, landed and, and doing really well in her next new business as well. She, I know she's been on your show uh, in the past too. Yeah, look, plenty of, uh, plenty of good stuff coming our way. Anything else that you want to talk about today? Well, a couple of things I'm looking forward to. So next week, I am partnering with the University of East London again. So they've got all their, all their new recruits in. It's a new year. It's a new academic year. And I have the pleasure of speaking on their first day of the induction about the power and potential of a career within fintech. So I couldn't be happier that they have invited me to be on that stage. It's a shame it's not face-to-face. Right at the last minute, they've decided to keep it virtual. But even so, I'm really, really looking forward to that. And then they've asked me to go back and do uh, an interview training course with some of their previous students, which I'll be doing Tuesday. So I'm really excited about that. It's so important that we are walking the talk of investing into the next generation. I have been lucky enough to invite a number of my contacts to become partners to the University of East London as well, which is brilliant. Um, And um, I'm going to be doing some work with the University of Reading again next month. So it's all go, go, go. Also looking back, I absolutely loved coming into the office um, last Monday. I brought the baby with me if anyone saw my LinkedIn post. Um, so we had a bit of a laugh, didn't we? <laughs> Taking a picture of him. I didn't get I didn't get the photo credit for that. I thought it was my David Bailey moment. I was very disappointed not to oh, be I should have given you the photo credit. Absolutely brilliant seeing him in there. Yeah, it was so do you know what it was so nice to bring him in and I was apprehensive about the journey and you know, you know, like uh, it, we're still in COVID times and I had his face wrapped, well, his whole body wrapped up um, on the tube. But you know what, we made it um, and I feel really pumped for my, my return to the office in a couple of weeks time. You know, just the little things of, you know, knowing where I'm going to sit and the fact that, you know, we, we hot desk and there's, there's loads of collaboration and we, we, we really, 
we really can be just talking to each other across an office. I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. I'm so glad it was something that I did. But also I've got to do a shout out because I met uh, Jo Crockford at Genesis and she was the person that I mentioned in my post. And she was absolutely brilliant in terms of making me feel like I could do my job whilst holding a baby. And I think that that's really, really empowering. So with all of that in mind, I am going to be bringing back a huge focus to the maternity and paternity series of FinTech. Still a year on or a year and a half on from when I first started doing that series, there is nothing really out there for anyone to, to learn from um, or read about or hear about, apart from these, these, these podcasts, the 10 that I originally produced um, with the 10 people that, that, that shared their wonderful stories with me. And I think it's incredibly important because everybody's parental journey is different. But there are many times where you will sit there and you'll think, well, what can I do? What are my options? And the feedback that I've been getting over this maternity leave from people, from clients I've spoken to, who I had no idea that they'd listened to that original maternity and paternity series has been phenomenal. And it's really given me the insight that there needs to be more of this because actually there's lots of people out there that could do with the advice, could do with the knowledge. They want to hear what, how other people have done it because it gives them ideas about how they would like to do it, whether it's their, their first, their second, their third, what, you know, whatever it may be. And that is a huge part of what we do in terms of giving back to the, the industry, and especially when we talk about candidate retention and investing in people. People have lives. It's not just turning into parents or becoming parents again. There's loads of other things, but this is the one thing that I happen to know about right now. So I'll be sharing some mm -hmm. of my insights. Looking forward to that. Looking forward to that. And uh, this week as well, we'll be reaching out to uh, a whole host of companies talking to them about the uh, top 1% workplace awards as part of the financial technology just magazine. As I said last week, uh, there's a series of individual awards that we'll be looking at. We'll be getting the judging panel sorted over the next fortnight as well. And uh, talking to companies who are really proud of, of their workplace and what they've done to make it a great place in the industry to, to do there. I think there's going to be so much learning that's going to come out of that. We're going to be hearing from the very best about how they've engaged their workforces, how they've recruited their workforces, and how they, they are retaining the very best talent in, the, in, in their industry. So attract, engage, and retain will be a big feature of what we're talking about. Uh, and that magazine will become a Bible for people who want to do great things in the industry um, with their cultures and with their teams and growing that through. So the magazine will be there. It will be accompanied by a number of uh, fintech-focused TVs and podcasts that will uh, ensue from it as well. And we'll be looking to really help people stand out in all aspects of great workplaces, from diversity through to onboarding, through to training, through to leadership. I'm so excited about that. It's my favourite of the magazines every single year because it really focuses on something I'm really passionate about, which is that whole concept of, uh, of, of making it a great place for people to thrive and showcasing the very best of them in the industry. So I can't wait to get that out there. So loads and loads of stuff coming your way. Stay tuned. Keep listening to everything that we're putting out there. Thank you so much to everyone for, uh, for listening to us. We love it. We hope you do too. Anything you want to add, please don't hesitate to get in touch with us and pass uh, your, your thoughts, comments and suggestions about how we can improve, going back to the theme what Nadia was talking about earlier on. Uh, what we can do better we always love to hear it and anything that's going to really add value to you and your journey and can help you in your your process of becoming the very best you can be uh, we ask for nothing from the podcast other than you like share tell a friend give us a rating we want this to continue to go all around the world which we which we can't believe it's doing already but we've got some uh, ever-growing uh, people who are listening to it 
and we couldn't be more grateful for that. So thank you so much for tuning in. Please do like, share and spread the word and we will see you next week. Thanks so much. Cheers. Thank <laughs> you.